<clears throat> All right, let's get this party started. Welcome, my lords, to the Well-Earned Comforts Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Seth. Thanks for joining us on the Walls of Isengard as we explore the many works of Tolkien and, of course, discuss life. We're glad to have you as part of the Fellowship, as there's no telling where we'll be swept off to. And this time, we are sweeping ourselves away to a different corner of Middle-earth and a different age of Middle-earth entirely, as we've spent a lot of time focusing on Children of Her, and that was a lot of fun. But Seth and I decided, let's uh, get the creative juices flowing again and maybe tackle something that we haven't really looked a whole lot into. And so today, I'm really excited for our discussion on Gimli and Legolas and their relationship and how unorthodox it is and how different it is. And I'm really excited for the dialogue that we get into. But of course, before that, we can't start a Well-Earned Comforts podcast without some babbling like Butterbird. So I'm going to check in with Seth, my brother over in Michigan. How's it hanging? Left, right, middle just kidding that was bad <laughs> no comment <laughs> i don't know why i said that uh yeah edit, edit. yeah <laughs> you're editing the audio i'm editing the video so i'm leaving that in well uh, done no. i hope Yikes. your uh, students watch that <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it's going well it's been busy as uh as you obviously know we were everybody was out here in michigan up about an hour and 15 minutes north of of Amanda and I's place and we got a, a nice big house with the whole family and it was an absolute blast and we had just a heck of a time it was so fun spending time on the lake and you know being from Colorado we never really went to lakes much like it's just not something we did and so just the ability to go out on the kayaks and the paddle boards and even that janky old rowboat was just an absolute blast <laughs> yeah so I don't know. Ever since getting back from that, it's just been busy right back into the flow of work. And I'm about to work another four twelves in a row. And then Amanda's folks are coming out the next day. So it's, Oh, really? It just keeps going. <laughs> it just keeps going, man. That is a lot. Yeah. How about for you? Uh, who do you think had the real quick? Who do you think had the best backflip off of the robot? Uh, probably David. <laughs> yeah. There's just so much less of him to rotate. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got all six foot one of me trying to flip over. <laughs> yeah. Nice flex there. Six foot one. No big deal. Well, I mean, that's something you will just never understand what it's like. I will not. The weather's different here, Seth. Yeah. It's that, a whole new world. That 5'11 to six foot range really makes a difference, doesn't it? <laughs> More than you'd think. Well, More how's, think. how's Ariel doing? She was very pregnant, but I'm glad she that was, yeah. she didn't uh, pop while we were all out there. <laughs> Me too, man. I, I thought about it. I was like, should we have brought the car seat and our go bag and all that kind of stuff? But I was like, well, Seth can deliver you. I'm sure he's got some kind of like, she's like, nope, mm -mm, I'm not. Nope. I was like, okay. Yeah, nope. <laughs> that would not have yeah, happened. Yeah, she was She was like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, but she's doing really, really well. We had a lot of fun too. She did. She loved the kayaking. Um, it was fun seeing her out there with her big old belly, like kayaking. We did like morning kayaks too. Um, and yeah, you're right. Just being on a lake was so much different, especially in just where we are in Colorado, even in Kentucky, we have some lakes close by, but we haven't done a whole lot of water living and just having the freedom to just hang out there and soak in the sun, be stupid and try to play king of the paddle boat. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, that was a blast. Yeah. Just having the brothers back together and, and hanging out with dad, talking to him and seeing the kids. It was, it was a wonderful time, but yeah, we're 37 weeks today officially, or rather Ariel is. 
which is technically full term. So yep. Yep. now the baby is fully developed in the sense that he can come out whenever he wants and, you know, barring any issues, he wouldn't have to go to the NICU. He wouldn't be preemie, anything like that. So, of course, Ariel's like, I'm ready whenever. <laughs> right. Uh, but we're but the due date is September 1st. So that's, again, like I said, three weeks from now. But it could uh, could be whenever. We went to the doctor on Wednesday. And she said she's about one inch dilated, so really not that far along. Um, so it probably will still be a couple of weeks, but she's taking like some raspberry tea. She's bouncing yeah. on her exercise ball. She's going on walks. She's like, whatever I can do to get this thing out of me, <laughs> pretty much. And so anything that, like, you know, healthy or natural, of course. Sure, but sure. Um, yeah, so we're just ex- excited and anticipating that. I mean, work is going to, it's it's kicking up for us. We have our, fall kickoff this Wednesday for students where we start back up every single week. And so it's, I've told my coworker, John, I'm like, you know, I, I'll teach this one, but I don't think I can really plan for anything for a couple of weeks. And thankfully he's been like, I'll, I'll take it. I'll figure it out. So, and all, all the leaders have been super like understanding and stuff too. So we'll have plenty of coverage from work and stuff. So it's almost like kid, people have yeah. kids from time to time. Yeah. People understand a little bit of what it's like. So uh, even though we don't have mom and dad around and all the siblings and stuff for that family support, we do have a lot of people. We did that. One of my, one of my volunteer leaders, they threw us a little diaper shower. So we just got a bunch of diapers and nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just super sweet stuff like that. And they've already got a meal train planned for us for when it happens. And so we feel very loved and blessed to be in part of this community. That's awesome. Sure. I will add, it was, yeah. I don't know. You just saying that not having family, uh, it it made my heart so full to see everybody interact with Evelyn and to watch, you know, Ember, yeah. little little Ember and even Killian interact with her. And she was just like mind blown <laughs> yeah. that there's these other kids that are, you know, her age yeah. and just the sweetness of those kids interacting with Evelyn. And then obviously you and Ariel spending time with her and everybody. It's just, oh man, it was, it really made my heart full. So I'm, it's sad that you won't have that, but I am glad that you have a good support system down there yeah definitely it's going to be different obviously um nobody's really like your immediate family yeah but there's been a lot of wonderful people that have filled in that gap pretty well but i'm excited that we're planning to do these little family reunions every year now is hopefully is the case and i think we've staked out somewhere near us this next year maybe tennessee there's some really beautiful places like houses or Hmm. even just places out in the the mountains i'm using your quotes of the you know the smokies they're they're mountains they just sure. there's nothing above tree line um but you know it's it's a different kind of beauty yeah so for sure well let's uh jump into one of my favorite segments our riddles in the dark uh, again for those of you who may be new this is a part of the podcast slash youtube video thank you to seth to start that up where seth and i use our uh combined same lord of the rings trilogy uh books here where we decide if we can stump the other person on finding some dialogue from anywhere of the three uh, books and see if we can figure out who's talking, where they are in the book and the story and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Seth, why don't you go first? Why don't you find something for me? And just historically, Ooh. Seth has been better at this than I have. So, yeah, um, if you've listened we'll at all, you definitely know who's got this unlocked most <laughs> of the time. Uh, yeah. Man. Let's see. While we're waiting for Seth, those of you on YouTube can view my awesome painting of J.R.R. Tolkien's signature that I did with Ariel. It's not great. I apologize, Tolkien, if you're seeing this from heaven. Um, but it was an honor of you, so I hope you feel 
decent about that. But yeah, you've, you've got the J, you got the backwards R, the forwards R, and the T going across. So there's All that. Right. Seth, are you done? You figured it out a, yet? I got a couple people here. A couple people talking. Okay. Uh, I'm drowning here. The hobbits cried blank. Where are they then? Where is Frodo? I do not know. Before he died, blank told me that the orcs had bound them. Uh, uh, before he died. I mean, that's, I mean, that, I, I feel like that's Merriam Pippin. I mean, maybe Aragorn talking to Boromir. I don't know, before he died, though, that sounds weird. All right. The hobbits cried blank. Where are they then? Where is Frodo? I do not know, answered blank. Before he died, Boromir told me the orcs had bound them. You should at least get the context on this one. Yeah. Before Boromir died, right? Is... But, I mean, that's, yeah. Okay, so then... Hmm. Well, I'm trying to decide if it, this isn't like the beginning of, or like the very end of the Return of the King, or for, gosh, wow. This isn't the very end of the Fellowship of the Ring, where like the breaking of the Fellowship, where Aragorn like talks to Boromir, because Boromir's already dead. And so I'm going to guess maybe this is maybe with Gandalf as they're in Fangorn when Aragorn, no, it's not that. Okay. Bro. When he's regaling. I, this is like the easiest one I'm, I've given you in a hot minute. I know. I feel like it is, but I, is, is Aragorn talking? No, because Gimli and Legolas were there too. Is Aragorn talking to Gimli and Legolas? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Hmm. This is right so after it's Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Right after Vormir, guys. Like, Correct. Right after. Correct. Okay. I forget that they had like the intimate just one on one time before Legolas and Gimli found them. So, yeah. Because in the movie, and that's where I get mixed up. I just need to read them again. I'm just going to read them I again. I think that but, might be a good uh, choice. In the movie, they're all together. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, no, right. he, he, comes a, he comes a little. Like, even in the movie, he says like i'd follow you my captain or my brother my captain my king or something like that and then legolas gives his yeah. like his very legolas look where it's just like he's like oh. <laughs> anyways <True. laughs> hmm. all right well let me find a spot you mean you weren't looking while i was looking i was not i probably should have uh okay uh that was one i opened up to one we've actually done before that's which is wild. weird that is weird. That is wild. Yeah, it's <laughs> faithless. Is he who says farewell in the road darkens? Yeah. Um, Gimli. That but, wasn't even that long ago. Different one. No. Mm -mm. Man, we both. Ooh, I like this. All right, let's hear it. Okay. Much I wonder what counsels they are taking in the tents there below. For my part, like Mary, I wish that our victory, the war was now over. Yet whatever is still to do, I hope to have a part in it for the honor of the folk of the Lonely Mountain. It's easy, like, yeah. Hint at who's talking. It's Gimli talking, which is wild that Gimli mm -hmm. doesn't have a ton of dialogue throughout the series, and we both find something with Gimli in it. Uh, yeah. It's got to be at the end of the Battle of the Pelennor when they're deciding what to do next, and Gandalf and Aragorn are like, "Well, let's go on the suicide mission to try to distract Sauron." You are correct, as always. Um, this comes in the Return of the King after the you know Siege of Gondor, Battle yep. of Pelennor Fields, all that. Yep. And then Legolas responds with, "And I, for the folk of the Great Wood, and for the love of the Lord of the White Tree." Yeah, I love which how something he says that I did. That. When, 
yeah 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 something when i was like going through some of my like hunting for dialogue between legolas and gimli i found that a lot of what they talk about is just their love for aragorn and their and their shock and awe for who he is and legolas even has a whole spiel on how he's like carrying on the valor of baron um mm-hmm. and it's it's he's like even though there's been a a gap between when we've seen something like that he reminds me of what i've heard of baron and stuff like that so yeah very cool how much they revere uh uh aragorn there but yeah they definitely any idea a- what chapter uh <laughs> i don't know the chapter names we we know this <laughs> last debate the last debate. it makes sense it makes sense yeah i didn't even know that was a chapter yep, but yep, yep. we'll go with it it's a short one yeah i'm short sure one, but all right yeah very fun seth wins yet again uh that's all right we will get him back next time uh probably not but uh, moving from uh, Riddles in the Dark to Tidings of the Fellowship. Uh, last week we read Nate's uh, we read Nate's email, and he has not decided yet whether to give us money or not based off of the challenge that he had given us. Uh, he has actually, in fact, not spoken to us at all. So, Nate, if you're listening, where's Ooh. our twenty five dollars, man? Twenty five, wasn't it? Fifty, but we definitely didn't. we did not deserve. 50. Yeah, no, we don't deserve anything, honestly. <laughs> no, nothing yeah, at all. All right, so we'll just jump in here. Uh, Like Sam had mentioned, we're going to be talking about Legolas and Gimli today, kind of go over their friendship, why it's kind of an obscure friendship during uh, Tolkien's Middle Earth, and we're just going to kind of go from there. So if you're, you know, following along, it's good to understand that we're starting off with the origins, because why do dwarves and elves hate each other? If if you don't understand that, then you're like, yeah, why is it a big deal that they're friends? However, the fact that Legolas and Gimli are so close is quite rare in Tolkien's Legendarium. So uh, just a little backstory on the origins of the two, because it'll give us a a good hint as to their personalities and stuff. The elves obviously were the firstborn. They were created by Eru himself uh, during the music of the Ainur. Uh, Eru created elves and he created men. The firstborn and wasn't it the followers or the second children? I forget how he phrases it, but... I think it's just the second children something like yeah. that um and then he while he was singing he actually finds out that aule one of his ainur created the the dwarves without telling anybody uh aule was a bit uh ashamed of doing this he wanted to create something that was of him because if you remember aule from <laughs> the very beginning he was a smith he was a craftsman he he just wanted to create. He was actually kind of like Melkor and like yeah. Melkor's opposite. Melkor just wanted to destroy things mm-hmm. and Aule and was just creating things. And so he created the dwarves yep. and he created them to be strong and unyielding, which makes sense as, as Peter Jackson did a great job of showing Gimli being just stubborn as stone, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, he created them in secret. Uh, and this actually kind of upset Eru initially and Eru confronted him and and basically said like what are you doing it's not okay for you to be doing this i am i am the only one that can give life to these beings these dwarves they're tied to your every thought and every action because they're not sentient on their own and at this point mm-hmm. aule felt he was he was abashed and he was actually going to kill the dwarves that he had created and he lifted up his his big hammer and right as he was about to come down on him the dwarves flinched and begged for mercy and and eru stopped aule and and said actually you know they're 
they're you know cowering from you so they are thinking for themselves and he basically out of love for Aule and understanding Aule's he wasn't trying to overstep Eru he just wanted to create something out of his own love and so because of that Eru basically yeah. said no worries uh I'll let him live however uh he basically says they need to go back to sleep until my children awaken and there's actually yeah. a really interesting quote this is from Eru directly speaking to Ale, and he says, When the time comes, I will awaken them, and they shall be to thee as children, and often strife shall arise between thine and mine, the children of my adoption, which are the dwarves, and the children of my choice, which are the men and elves. Yeah, I love, when I read this the first time, I was thinking, like, man, why is Eru just, like, putting it there, saying, oh, they're going to have to, like, fight against each other, going to strife against one another? But then as I was kind of reading that, it's like, no, that's a con like that's a natural consequence of it because right. that was never part of the design. You know, Ally went off on his own and did something that was different than like Eru's vision for the world. Touch my mic there. <laughs> for the for the world. And so yeah, it just makes sense. Like that's just naturally going to happen. That the elves and the dwarves would have strife from the very beginning. Um as they were never meant to interact with one another. Um, obviously elves are the firstborn, so they're a lot older and they're a lot more patient. And whereas uh, dwarves are a lot more stubborn and steadfast and they don't forget a grudge. And I think they even feel a little bit slighted anyway, that they weren't chosen to be created by Eru from the beginning. So I think they also kind of feel that grudge. And so they always have this chip on their shoulder and they pass that down uh, from generation to generation. And they kind of always have this like very staunch uh, stubbornness that we see i mean obviously you see it with, with gimli we've seen it with meme with thorin with just all the dwarves that we see throughout tolkien's legendarium um, but as we discussed in children purin uh, going all the way back to the petty dwarves that's of meme and his uh, his kinsfolk they were hunted by the elves before the elves actually realized that they were sentient beings like seth mentioned like they just thought they were game and so you know think about like going bear hunting or something like you just think um oh, I'm, I'm having fun here not realizing that you were killing something that had thought and feeling and emotion and uh so once they realized that obviously that would put a little bit of a a little bit of strife in between the two i would imagine if you felt like your race was being hunted by the other race for a little while oh yeah um then as as we talked about in children poor and in our deep dive just the interactions between Beleg and Meme. Meme was okay with the men. He didn't love them, but he was okay with them. But just the just the presence of Beleg, he was like, no, I cannot do it with this guy. Like, Beleg didn't even really do anything mean, like, from my recollection. No, not he at was, all. He was fine. <laughs> it was just that that deep-rooted racist hatred, honestly, between the two that he, that Meme could not get rid of. Um, and as as you go all the way back to, you know, the, I guess has to be the first stage when Meme's, uh, Meme's, family helped create Nargothrond um, and then when they tried to like kind of take that back from Finrod they tried to kill him and um, this is a big reason why again there's strife between elves and and these dwarves so most recently the like the most recent strife that we talked about was obviously the sacking of Doriath when uh, King Thingol Cree asked the asked the dwarves to create this Naglamir for the Silmaril to put on a necklace to show off to everybody and then the dwarves were like actually that's ours we're gonna take it back from you and kill you they kill him they sack doriath and then baron with some help the elves actually go back and kill the dwarves and take back the silmarillion and so again we just see back and forth i mean these are just some of the fights in the interactions between elves and dwarves and even if you watch the extended i don't know have you ever seen the extended hobbit movies uh i don't 
I don't think so, actually. I, I don't really watch The Hobbits that, that much. <laughs> so I bought the extended versions because I was like, oh, what, you know, I just want to see more Tolkien. That's fine. More, more Peter Jackson stuff. He actually has a scene in the Battle of Five Armies extended where the dwarves and the elves start killing each other. Like, they just start going at it. And they start mm. wiping each other out before the armies of, uh, what was that, I guess? Um, Good not Mordor at the time, but Gundabad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the old fortress or whatever show up. So, yeah. Hmm. Just all often, there's just a lot of lot of strife between these guys. So, those are the first stage reasons why these dwarves and elves hate each other. But again, there's so many different reasons why they hate each other but you also see some uh, collaboration between the two Celebrimbor uh, helps create the doors of moria and we see a lot of especially the the dwarves of durin's house were a lot more likely to have positive interactions with the elves um, they, they realized the importance of having a friendship and an alliance as opposed to trying to fight these really powerful beings yeah, there's there's times in the Second Age where Durin's folk actually go and fight alongside, you know, Celebrimbor and the elves of of Eregion and everything during the wars uh, with Sauron, uh, the Wars of the Rings. And uh, there's also, like Sam mentioned, the it was Narvi and Celebrimbor that created the the dwarves of Durin outside of Moria on that uh, on the West Gate. So the the doors. The, the doors of Durin, not the dwarves of Durin. Oh, did I say dwarves? That'd be a little yeah. weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> that would be a little weird either. if they were... Yeah. Um, and so there are plenty of times where elves and dwarves interact in a positive way. Sometimes it's just, if you go all the way back to the First Age, Maeglin, uh, the dark elf, um, and Errol, his father, they both were pretty close with the dwarves and learned a lot of craft and smithying from them. Uh, so there are times where they get along. However, most of the time it's more because there's beneficial stuff on both sides rather than because they really like each other. So this is just a kind of a fun little excerpt that kind of puts this into perspective for you. And, and it comes in the Fellowship of the Ring when the, the nine walkers are right outside the gates of Moria and they're trying to get in. And Gandalf is talking to him about the dwarves and, or about the doors, the doors. I'll get it. Um, <laughs> and he actually says those were happier days when there was still close friendship at times between folk of different race, even between dwarves and elves. And, and at that point, Gimli is, you know, super stubborn and right off the bat. And he says, it was not the fault of the dwarves that that friendship has waned. And Gimli, or Legolas mm -hmm. responds, I've not heard that it was the fault of the elves. And Gandalf kind of <laughs> just puts his foot down, puts it, and just says, I have heard both, and I will not give judgment now, but I beg you to, Legolas and Gimli, at least be friends and help me. I need you both. And so you can really see that even though they have uh, very little reason to dislike each other for their own personal reasons, there's things that have happened in both their father's pasts and this premature uh, hatred that's just kind of seething in their bloodlines, really, uh, that they don't really get along and they're blaming each other rather than uh, like, yeah, it's on it's on the dwarves or it's on the elves. Let's let's figure out how to get along better. They just they can't do it. Yeah, and, and it's a very obvious, like, physical appearance. You can tell an elf, you can tell a dwarf very, very easily. You know, it's like when you go to a, a sporting event and you see, you know, somebody wearing a Raiders jersey. You're like, that guy sucks. I hate him. <laughs> I don't even know him, but he's the worst. <laughs> you just assume the worst of him because yep. he's wearing a Raiders jersey. Yep. Um, I, I'm sure there's good Raiders fans out there, but uh, somewhere few and far between is what you would think. You know, yeah. so again, <laughs> the, that, that prejudice, the stereotypes, they definitely ring true. 
um, specifically for, for sure for the dwarves and for the elves. Um, but the, the next segment here, we wanted to discuss each person before they met each other. So Gimli and Legolas, there's not a whole lot of backstory on Legolas as much as of Gimli. Um, I think Legolas had Tolkien known he was going to do the Lord of the Rings at the time of the uh, Hobbit, he would have probably added Legolas into there. Seth will talk a bit more about that. I think there's some really cool uh, opportunities for him to to come in. So I don't hate that Peter Jackson added him. I know some people yeah. are like, oh, he wasn't there, but he would have been. He would have been. been. Anyway, but Gimli, as you probably know, was the son of Gloin, the nephew of Oin, both former company uh, companions of Bilbo Baggins and the descendant of Durin the Deathless, which uh, Durin, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, is kind of the kind of the demigod of the dwarves and he's supposed to be reincarnate every so often and and that so there's really only one Durin at a time is that correct yeah that's why rings of power just completely botched it they don't understand the lore nor do they care enough to uh, what was it during this third and during the fourth i don't remember what third they picked. fourth yeah 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 but it's just like yes Durin is reincarnate and it, it's not one right after the other it, you could go generations without Durin. uh the yeah. the dwarves really just believe that when there is a leader that is so powerful and that people want to follow so much that he's the next doer and reincarnate as opposed to yeah you know just a family name being passed down yeah this is my dad and, and now i'm Durin jr or something like that yeah uh, so he was not of the royal line, even though he was a descendant of Durin the Deathless, he was not of the royal line. So he himself couldn't uh, become king or anything. He also was not given the title of Durin at any point in time. Um, but through his father, Gimli, um, they were also a close cousin once removed from Balin, the Lord of Moria. And his brother, Dwalin, again, more comp- companions of uh, Bilbo and the Hobbit. And it's also stated in the Unfinished Tales that Gimli was prevented from traveling with his father on the quest of Erebor because, I love this, Thorin and company thought him too young, though Gimli, being in his 60s, considered him ripe for, considered himself ripe for the adventure and was disappointed to be left behind. I love that. Again, like Tolkien was like, I need to add this in. Like, yeah. I'm going to put this in there because the, the story's tied together and Gimli's personality, I mean, this, fa- this, this matches perfectly. You know, the fact that he would be like, no, dad, let me go. And he's like, nah, bro, you're, you're too young. Which I, I, I don't remember the age of Feely and Keely. I don't know if they were older or younger than Gimli at the time. Now I assume they it. were. What's kind of crazy is, remember they found Bilbo because they didn't want to have 13 because it was an unlucky number. And in reality, they could have just been like, when they right, just send Gimli along. We'll, we'll get our 14. We'll be <laughs> fine. Yep. But even in all of Tolkien's uh, intelligence, he had no idea that Gimli existed at that point, which is also cool. <laughs> it's just, I mean, he might have. I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so Gimli did not get to go with uh, the Hobbit, Bilbo, and, and the rest of the companions. But then you fast forward a little bit after the events of the Hobbit. Uh, this is actually really interesting. This was news to me. Um, but a, a messenger came to Erebor, uh, to the king under the mountain at the time, Dane II, a messenger of Mordor, he, you know, servant of the Dark Lord, comes and, and offers friendship and, and requests for news of a Hobbit bearing a ring. Because the news of Bilbo being a Hobbit that he found this ring would have reached far and wide as that was a tale that, I mean, Bilbo was telling people, the dwarves were telling people, um, I'm sure along, you know, many nights of roaring fires and malt beer, they were regaling the tales of the wolves and of the, uh, the goblin town and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure word would have gotten around, but Dane being smart, he, he didn't really trust the messenger very much. So he sent Gloin and Gimli to Rivendell to seek the advice of Elrond. Again, that's where we see, okay, maybe we need to collaborate with these elves a little bit because they have more, 
uh, more interactions, more understanding, more wisdom and knowledge on Sauron and that whole fight against them. So let's let's talk to them. And as a result, they were summoned to the Council of Elrond, where they first meet Legolas. Yeah, and I have a quick question. Um, I'm not trying to derail us too much. That messenger that went to uh, Erebor, do you think it was the mouth of Sauron or one of the Nazgul or somebody completely different? I don't know. There's, there's definitely more in the written works of Tolkien, more servants of the Dark Lord, like men or more fair. Like, I mean, what was the... What was the term that Frodo used in the movies? Like a servant of of the Dark Lord uh, would seem feel fair, and fair and feel fouler. Feel, yeah, something yeah. like that. So I wouldn't imagine it'd be like a Nazgul or somebody, or even the Mouth of Sauron. That just, I mean, obviously the theatricals made him look a lot worse than he probably was. But I don't know. I kind of have a feeling it was maybe, maybe a man of like an Easterling or somebody, or even one of the elves that maybe he had he had tortured and turned into, hmm. you know, a messenger. But I, it, for continuity's sake, it'd be cool if it was either Nazgul or Mouth, Mouth Sauron. Fair enough. I think it was probably one of the Nazgul personally, but I don't really have anything to back that up. Um. Sure. Anyway, so I mean that would make sense. That'd make sense. Yeah. Moving on to to Legolas here. Uh, like Sam mentioned, there's not as much about his life prior to Lord of the Rings. Um. However, it's important to note that he is Thranduil's son, and Thranduil. I'm awful at pronouncing these names. Thranduil. Uh, potentially. Thranduil, yeah. <laughs> He's the king of the Wooden Realm in Mirkwood, and that is the very same Wooden Realm that the company of Thorin had to pass through on their way to the Lonely Mountain. And if you remember from The Hobbit, they were in, uh, incarcerated there and held prisoner, and Bilbo, with his magic ring, rescued them. Um, so it kind of makes sense that Gimli would hold some prejudice against Legolas right off the bat. And so when Legolas came to the Council of Elrond, he actually came to give word that Gollum had escaped. And I, I like the way, I, is it, I forget, is it Gandalf that asks it or Aragorn? I don't remember. He says, how did the folk of Thranduil fail in the trust? And Legolas basically says, not out of, like, we're not, not that we're incapable of doing it, but rather that we're too kind and, and he slipped us. Yep. And so that was yep. the reason that he was coming together, which again not to derail us too much but it's interesting how tolkien writes this where there's all these different things happening around middle earth and at the same time boromir and faramir well primarily faramir uh is having this dream and he wants it you know explained and so that's why boromir mm -hmm. shows up and so that's they all show up at the same time and so you got to think that eru yeah. is somehow manipulating the the time frames here so that everybody arrives mm -hmm. in rivendell at the same time yeah no i love that um absolutely and like like you mentioned at the Council of Elrond, Legolas, when he's telling about uh, the escape of Gollum, he mentions just that. He said it was uh, due to overkindness, is how Tolkien puts it, mm. <laughs> which makes Gloin chuckle um, as he's sitting there. And he and Gloin actually like gets up and and looks at him and like, well, you were less tender to me. <laughs> and so again, alluding to the fact that Legolas would have been there right. at that time, because he like you mentioned earlier, he remembers his time incarcerated in in the in Mirkwood and. And then there's a little bit more back and forth, and then Gandalf's like, guys, sit down, sit down, it's fine. And so then, like, Gwen gets up, bows for him, and then sits back down, and they keep talking. But, again, the Council of Elrond was probably one of my favorite chapters in the book. I think it's one of yours, too, Seth. You oh, mentioned just for so sure. Dialogue. There's so much happening, like you mentioned, from everyone's kind of giving their perspective, their point of view. But at the end of it, they determine that there has to be nine companions, because there's nine Nazgul's out there. 
And so in the movies, you see Legolas volunteering first, and then uh, Gimli also volunteers because he didn't trust the elf's intentions. So he's, you know, that I'll, I'll be dead before I see the ring in the hands of an elf. I don't think that's in the book. I, I didn't, I skimmed through the, the chapter, but I'm pretty sure it's not. I don't recall but, that I mean, being in the book, but it, it fits. It makes sense. Yeah. Again, that's where like you take liberties. PJ did a good job of like, this would probably have been said or at least like assumed. Um, so then they set out as part of the Fellowship of the Ring, and there's quite a lot of bantering and bickering out between the two of them, um, especially when the company decides to go to Moria, which was actually Gandalf's idea. I don't know yeah. why PJ changed that. Maybe he's trying to make Gandalf wiser than he is by like having some knowledge that there may be a Balrog, but I mean, I just read that portion as I was preparing for this. Like Gandalf's like, you know, there is this other way. As they're up on Karathras getting you know, hit, hit by the snow and stuff, he's like, we can go through Moria. And Gimli's like, oh yeah, let's go through Moria. Like, let's, that, that sounds like a great idea. I'll go with you. And everyone else is like, says no, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> even, else wants even to Aragorn go. gives him a warning. He basically says, like, I don't fear for myself if we go in. I fear for you, Gandalf. Like, I fear for you specifically. Yep. Which makes you wonder if Aragorn yep. had some knowledge. Maybe he didn't know it was a Balrog because that surprised even Gandalf. But he knew that there was something that yeah. Gandalf would have to, to ha have to face. Yep. But then, you know, again, right before we have that interaction that Seth mentioned where Gandalf's telling Legolas and Gimli, just guys, be friends. Um, Legolas is like, nah, I don't wish to go into Moria. Like, that's all he says. And then it you know, says, like, everyone was silent there for a minute. Uh, but obviously they'd go into Moria and we see what happens. And you got to you got to feel for Gimli. You know, he was like, oh, it's going to be great, guys. Like, let's go <laughs> hang out with my family. We're going to have like a warm welcome. And it was not the case. Yeah, they lost their leader. Yeah, not even a little bit. Not much of a warm welcome. Um, <laughs> no. So after the company passes through Moria and, and they lose Gandalf, they're actually admitted into Lothlorien. And this is where Celeborn and Galadriel dwell. And I think this is kind of the turning point for Legolas and Gimli's friendship in a way. And I think it's brought mm -hmm. on in a way by Galadriel. Um, yeah. I think Galadriel just softened Gimli's heart and Legolas, there's not much to be said for him really he like he doesn't have much of a character arc in these yeah. you know like he doesn't really soften that much um but you can tell that this this part of the story is where Gimli's heart becomes a little bit softer mm -hmm. um and yeah. so when they're admitted into Lothlorien Gimli is actually treated with a lot of prejudice uh and and Haldir actually admits them and says all right well we can take you all back to Karas Gal Galathron however you say that uh in the heart of Lothlorien, yeah. but I need to blindfold the dwarf because uh, we don't we don't let him uh, we don't want him to yeah, know the way him. we don't trust him and uh, there's actually this part where Gimli is all frustrated and Legolas says like ah the plague on the stubbornness of dwarves and then Aragorn's <laughs> like all right well then we're gonna blindfold everybody so that the dwarf doesn't yep. feel singled out and Legolas is like oh but I want to look at the trees and this and that which is such a I mean, I know we're talking about Gimli and Legolas, but again, you look at the leadership of Aragorn where he's like, no, if, if one of our companions can't be trusted, then you can't trust any of us. Like, that's how much he's trying to keep this this family of fellowship, especially after they just lost their leader, Gandalf, to the Mines of Moria. He's like, no, this this team needs to trust each other. We need to be all on united front. I don't care, Legolas, if you want to look at trees and you want to look at flowers, like, we're we're all being blindfolded right now. Yeah, and to take that a step further, Aragorn's been here 
a couple of times. I mean, he already plighted his troth to Arwen in this very area. That's true. So mm-hmm. he's he's like, yeah, you can blindfold me, even though it's me. Like I'm Aragorn. <laughs> um, yep. And so Gimli's treated with this prejudice, and and you can't help but think that just makes you know makes him even more angry at the situation. Um, and then when they arrive to uh, where Celeborn and Galadriel are. Celeborn learns that the dwarves were the ones that dove a little too greedily and too deep and awoke the Balrog. And he basically re- like takes his welcome back because he had welcomed all the, the nine walker, eight walkers at this point. And mm. he's like, oh, I, if I knew that that's what the dwarves had stirred up, I would never have let Gimli in here. And Gladriel, and I, I quote her here, but she speaks directly. She's staring at Gimli and speaking to Caliborn, basically. And she says, mm-hmm. do not repent of your welcome to the dwarf. If our folk had been exiled long and far from Lothlorien, who of the Galathrum, even Caliborn the wise, would pass nigh and would not wish to look upon their ancient home, though it had become an abode of dragons. And then she goes on mm-hmm. to describe Moria in Gimli's own tongue. So Gimli is hearing these the, these names spoken perfectly because Galadriel had passed through many times. Um, yeah, yeah. And so she she's probably recalling all this from memory, but she's using Gimli's own language, which is rare because the dwarves really don't teach their language to anybody. So it must have just been the locations mm-hmm. that she had picked up. Um, but in hearing that, it really softens softens Gimli's heart and and he looks at her um and in his own mind Tolkien is saying that this is what's happening in Gimli's mind he's hearing the names given in his own ancient tongue he looked up and met her eyes and it seemed to him that he looked suddenly into the heart of an enemy and saw their love and understanding which is just beautiful because here Celeborn Mm. her husband is is saying like oh we should never have let you back in you dwarves are horrible and then and this Gimli's hearing this and then he looks up and meets the eyes with Galadriel and he sees their love and understanding yeah I mean it's it's absolutely gorgeous and the the grace that she has for him and again just washing away any preconceived notions or prejudices and just like hey thanks for being here welcome you're you're welcome here um can't help but think uh, how do you think rings of power galadriel would be uh welcoming to gimli i'm sure gimli would have a <laughs> she uses a sword in rings of power doesn't she i'm sure he, she'd have he'd have a yeah. sword right through his chest or something and then she'd be like oops uh-huh oh i shouldn't have done that i should have saved saved breath for whatever it was i don't even remember that. i haven't i haven't rewatched it i know this I haven't is, either I mean, we're, we're we're following rabbit trails but i haven't yeah anyway (laughs) real quick before we move on just to in this scene a little bit later as the fellowship is leaving lothalorian like a month later keep in mind that galadriel gave gimli her hair he gave her three strands of or she gave him three strands of hair which she would not even give to feanor back in valinor in the first age when he wanted to create the silmarils uh she would not give that to him and so i think this has to be the turning point in gimli for softening his heart Mm-hmm. yeah and Gimli even see, says like he, I've seen now the fairest thing I've ever seen and he's even has like interactions with Aemir later on in the two towers <laughs> I when, love those interactions hey, yeah Aemir's like I've heard she's kind of like a like a deceptive snake or something like that and he's like hey watch your tongue I, I'll kill you right now you don't know what you're talking about because she is beautiful and she is amazing and it makes sense because the first thing that he the first interaction she has he has with her is 
is is not necessarily her physical beauty but just the beauty of her words and the way that she's able to touch his heart on an emotional level yeah so, exactly very very cool love love all of that interaction there between galadriel and gimli just a really cool addition that tolkien put in the story but then obviously as we know uh, they chose to be followers of aragorn after the hunters uh, in the breaking the fellowship so when you know boromir dies and frodo goes off on his own sam follows him Merry and Pippin are taken, you know, Gimli's like, is this, what, what are we doing here? And Aragorn's like, let's go hunt some orc, you know, to, to quote the movie. And so they just start running and they run and run and run. And what's so funny is that in the book, Aragorn actually tells Gimli, he's like, man, we, I wish we all had the, the stamina of dwarves. We'll all need it by the end of this. And so, you know, that kind of tells me Gimli's out running Legolas in this instead of, you know, the comedic, like falling down the hill, ugh, you know, just keep breathing. That's the key, yeah. which is funny. I mean, again, you, I get why PJ did that, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. then they, uh, they run into the Rohirrim again. Gimli tells Amir, Hey, watch your mouth. That's Galadriel. Don't talk to her that way. And then get, you know, Amir kind of like says, okay, I welcome you guys. Here's, here's, a, here's some horses. So they share a horse and they go to Fangorn and Gimli hates it, of course, and Legolas loves it, of course. And then, you know, fast forward to Helm's Deep, and you know, Gimli was was pushed back into the caves. Um, I don't really remember. Again, I should go back and reread this, but I don't remember how he was pushed back into the caves. Um, I believe he was, was on the wall when it blew up, if I'm remembering correctly, and he got tossed down into the foray. Uh, and okay. At one point, Aragorn's like, never. He's like, I saw him down there, and never have I seen an axe so wielded. Speaking of Gimli, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think then he retreated. He got the guys, and they retreated back into the the caves. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah, he goes into the glittering caves, as they're called, of of Helm's Deep, and falls in love with them. And we'll talk a bit more about that in length here in a minute. But uh, then, you know, after the after the Battle of Helm's Deep, you see this played out a lot more in film, but uh, specifically, they talk about their little killing match. So uh, Gimli wins. He, he he cries, 42, Master Legolas, he cries. Alas, my axe is notched. The 42nd had an iron collar on his neck. How is it with you? And Legolas is like, you've passed my score by one, but I do not grudge you the game. So glad am I to see you on your legs. <laughs> so again, it wasn't the oh, he's twitching, I'm going to shoot him between the legs. Like, it was just a fun little game. And, and uh, there's a lot of back and forth on like, how do they only kill 40, you know, 41, 42. Um, 10, but also 000. if you, yeah, out of 10, out of 10,000. Uh, but if you watch the movie, PJ bumps up the number by one. Hmm. What's the purpose of that? Because he's like, I'm sitting no on 43. Idea. Like why, why change the number by one? Is that just like a, an error that he didn't realize? Like, or I don't get it. It very well could have been. <laughs> I have no idea. That's a yeah. that's a random catch, but it's interesting. I have no explanation for that. Yeah. I went down a lot of like Reddit rabbit trails mm. putting the stuff together. Did anybody have like, a what theory? does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> uh no, not really. Nobody but had I think an idea. It was just like, why why did that change? Like, what was the point of that? And yeah, nobody had any ideas on that one. Um huh. so yeah. Uh, then, of course, at the celebration um, in the halls of, uh, gosh, now I'm blanking, in Rohan, um, Edoras, you know, uh, where where we uh, break into the halls of every single time we do a podcast. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot it. You're good. It's uh, been a while. It's know, been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah. Just rusty a little bit. But there, uh, PJ, Peter Jackson, adds in their little drinking game contest, which I'm curious, Seth. Obviously, we saw in the movie. You know, Gimli passes out after however many drinks. Legolas wins. 
who do you think in like Tolkien's lore? Because I think this was something that Tolkien, like, if he were to watch that, he'd be like, okay, that's kind of funny. Like, maybe he would, I don't know, maybe he'd be like, no, that's not a thing an elf would do. But who do you think would actually win, like, if Tolkien was the one writing that? I honestly don't know. Uh, I'm trying to rack my brain. I don't know if, I'm sure there is talk of elves drinking at some point, but. Well, you go back to the Hobbit, and when Bilbo is yeah, the gets the keys from the warden, drunk. like they're yeah. drunk. Yeah, that's a good point. And so they can get drunk, but maybe the wine is just really, really high ABV as opposed to the <laughs> ale of the Rohan people. I don't know, but <laughs> the Rohirrim. Yeah, uh, I would be inclined to guess that it would be Gimli. Uh, that the dwarves are probably a little better at handling their their beer, but <laughs> I honestly don't know. It means nothing, whether whoever wins or whatever. But I, yeah, I think that's just that'd be funny. I, I, it's interesting how you know they he's got a little tingle in his fingers, you know, after <laughs> five or six drinks. But yeah, we've seen those memes where it's like Legolas before the drinking game, and it shows just a picture of Legolas, but then it's Legolas after the drinking game, and it's him as uh in, in Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> as Will Turner, <laughs> or or no, like when he finds rum, I think is what it was. Yeah, but, yeah okay. Just like it was kind of funny, but. Uh, that's anyway clever. yeah no that's no clever. no no drinking game in the book per se but again peter jackson had that little comic relief for him which was fun so then we jump into on the road to isengard when the whole company with theoden is all going to isengard to confront saruman to talk to treebeard and to you know find the hobbits again they're having some conversations and gimli just describes his experience in the caves and it's really beautiful. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to read a chunk. Um, yeah, but I yeah. just thought this back and forth between Legolas and Gimli is, is absolutely stunning. And again, you, from a character we don't get a whole lot of dialogue on, you see the passion in his voice and in his words for the caves and what he saw. So we're just going to read straight from uh, the book here. And so I'm going to start. And this is Gimli talking to Legolas. Strange are the ways of men, Legolas. Here they have one of the marvels of the northern world. And what do they say of it? Caves, they say. Caves. Holes to fly in in times of war. To store fodder in. My good Legolas, do you know that caverns of Helm Deeps are vast and beautiful? There would be an endless pilgrimage of dwarves merely to gaze at them, if such things were known to be. Aye, indeed, they would pay pure gold for a brief glance. And I would give gold to be excused, said Legolas, and double to be let out if I strayed in. You have not seen, so I forgive your jest, said Gimli. But you speak like a fool. Do you think those halls are fair where your king dwells under the hill of Mirkwood and dwarves helped in their making long ago? They are but hobbles compared with the caverns I have seen here, immeasurable halls filled with an everlasting music of water that tinkles into pools far as Khaled Zerum in the starlight. And Legolas, when the torches are kindled and men walk on the sandy floors under the echoes of the doom, ah, then Legolas, gems and crystals and veins of precious ore glint in the polished halls, and the light glows through folded marbles like shell, translucent as the living hands of Queen Galadriel. Which again, you see that, that call back to the beauty when he said, I've, I've never seen something more beautiful than Galadriel. And here he's saying, I think I've seen something that maybe maybe rivals the beauty of Galadriel a little bit. And he keeps going. He talks about it in good old Tolkien fashion, gives a lot of description. <laughs> lot so I'm going to skip down a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to skip down a little bit down to uh, near the end of the, the paragraph here when he says, there is chamber after chamber, Legolas, hall opening out of hall, dome after dome, star, stair beyond stair, and still the winding paths lead on into the mountain's heart. Caves, the caverns of Helm's Deep, 
Happy was the chance that drove me there, and it makes me weep to leave them. Then I wish you this fortune for your comfort, Gimli, said the elf, that you may come safe from war and return to see them again. But do not tell all your kindred, there seems little for left for them to do from your account. Maybe the men of this land are wise to say little. One family of busy dwarves with hammer and chisel might mar more than they made. No, you don't understand, said Gimli. No dwarf could be unmoved by such loveliness. None of Durin's race would mine those caves for stone or ore, not if diamonds and golds could be there. Do you cut down groves of blossoming trees in the springtime for firewood? We would tend these glades of flowering stone, not quarry them. With a cautious skill, tap by tap, a small chip of a rock and no more, perhaps, in a whole anxious day, so we could work as the years went by. We should open a new ways and display far chambers that are still dark, glimpsed only as a void beyond fissures of the rock. And lights! Legolas! We should make lights, such lamps as once shone in Khazad-dûm, and we wished we would be drive away the night that was lain there since the hills were made. And when you desired rest, we would let the night return. You move me, Gimli, said Legolas. I have never heard you speak like this before. Almost you make me regret that I have not seen these caves. Come, let us make this bargain. If we both return safe out of the perils that await us, we will journey together for a while. You shall visit Fanghorn with me, and then I will come with you to see Helm's Deep. That would not be the way of return that I should choose, said Gimli, but I will endure Fangorn if I have your promise to come back to the caves and share their wonder with me. You have my promise, said Legolas, but alas, now we must leave both cave and wood behind for a while. Man, I love it. I That's love beautiful. that back and forth. There's so much that happened. Yeah. It's Gimli's just saying, speaking with such passion, like, ah, Legolas, like you should have seen it. And to be able to move an elf, like a dwarf to be able to move an elf with words. Yeah. That doesn't happen. No, that it doesn't. doesn't. And just the, the descriptions that Tolkien uses, and we did skip a huge part of that that behemoth we paragraph did, yeah. on the previous page, but <laughs> just the descriptions that he uses, you can see why Legolas is moved because you're sitting there, you're imagining it in your head, and you kind of get a little grin mm -hmm. on your face, like, "Wow, this!" Could you imagine seeing that? And that's the exact same thing that Legolas is thinking, and it it really shows just the difference. Uh, in their personalities, but how they've started to come together as friends to be able to have this conversation, even with, because um, Legolas kind of speaks of Fanghorn in a similar fashion, not quite as passionately, mm -hmm. uh, but even Gimli's like, no, 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 I don't want Fanghorn. And so it's cool that they're <laughs> able to make this bargain at the end of that. And even the way that Legolas kind of like takes a jab at, at the dwarf race again by saying well you shouldn't tell your friends because they're gonna mess it up and he's like no man you don't understand like this yeah. is far beyond anything that we would mess with and then he even like relates to legolas on a on his level by saying like would you cut down a blossoming tree no you wouldn't you would tender it and care for it and that's what we're gonna do with these stones like it, it was just really cool the the way that he has such an emotional iq here with legolas and he's sharing this all the while you know their their relationship is just blooming um it's really really cool again a very unlikely friendship that should by no means have gotten this far yeah and you notice i mean the turning point in lothlorien with gladriel and then the hunt with aragorn the three hunters chasing down the hobbits after that point these two are inseparable they do everything together yep. um you know yep. aragorn goes this way gandalf goes this way Merry and pippin split like 
everybody goes in their own directions except Legolas and Gimli. They are always together, uh, kind of mm -hmm. from that point forward. So you can really see this friendship starting to blossom. Uh, so when we, we skip forward ahead to the return of the king and the paths of the dead, uh, there's another fun little interaction here between the two of them. Um, when Aragorn told everybody that they needed to go through the doors and into the paths of the dead and everybody was terrified. The Dunedain, uh, Aragorn's kindred were actually with them and they went right in with Aragorn and Legolas basically was like the, how does he phrase it in the book? Is something like the the dead of men don't scare me or something like that like i'm not scared of dead men that was i think that was um one of arwen's brothers uh eladon Elroser, and here uh yeah or yeah eladon and elro here i think it was one of them because because when I, I just read this uh legolas like covers the horse because because aragorn's like we need the horses to go through this right and the dwar the the elves were like no they're not going to go through but then legolas like covers the the eyes of the horse and sings to him hmm. something and then they go through interesting really yeah say anything but. yeah so i mean legolas is fine which is crazy that after hearing what legolas just said about the glittering caves he'd like i'd be pay twice to be let out if i strayed in and here he is following mm -hmm. aragorn not even second guessing it um yeah. and at this point gimli of all people uh, Tolkien says his knees shook and he was wroth with himself. Here is a thing unheard of. An elf will go underground, but a dwarf dare not. And with that, he plunged in. And so it really took a lot for him to go in. But again, the love of Aragorn yeah. and the friendship with Legolas, he was able to to face the the dead king. And a little old fashioned dwarven pride, maybe a little bit too. <laughs> I think that definitely, definitely had something to do with it. Uh, yeah. And so again. Legolas and Gimli, they're inseparable. They follow Aragorn through and they, you know, help with the ships of the Corsairs and they end up at the Battle of the Pelennor Fields together and they fight together and have another little battle on uh, Downing, which I believe is not in the book. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. It's definitely in the movie and they just have fun with it. You know, that totally counts as one. That classic <laughs> line, that classic line. <laughs> The look that Legolas gives, <laughs> just at the generic yeah. Orlando Bloom, like staring off into nothing, like, oh, is that impressive? I just did that. And Gimli's <laughs> like, and it still only counts as one. Um, it's great. And then again, they walk around Minas Tirith together after the battle, and then they go fight at the mm -hmm. Siege of the Black Gate together. Um, and Sam put this in here, and I think it's a beautiful addition. And it's one of those things where Peter Jackson understood the themes and the heart of Tolkien as he made these movies and so mm -hmm. i don't like everything i've been very critical about a lot of the changes he's made but he's still stuck with the overall themes and yeah he had that sign that that uh that scene where gimli is standing next to legolas and the you know the minions of mordor are coming out of the black gate and gimli looks up at him and he said i never thought i'd die fighting side by side with an elf and Legolas kind of just looks at him and smiles and he says, well, how about dying side by side with a friend? And Gimli just looks at him. He goes, I, I could do that. Yeah. And it's just like, it's the perfect culmination of their friendship. And I, mm -hmm. I love that Peter Jackson put that in there. Yeah, it definitely is one of those liberties that you're like, it makes perfect sense. It follows along with the heart of Tolkien. And there's so many interactions that Peter Jackson couldn't get to. And so to be able to like kind of throw that in there as like the last little final thing just solidifies 
even just their relationship beyond after the destroying of the ring. Because again, yeah. you know, Peter Jackson wasn't going to put that on screen of them going through the caves and Fangorn and all this stuff. So he couldn't really express that. But you can see that's a lifelong friendship that's never going to die you know, with that scene. It's, right. it's really kind of heartfelt. And then you got Mary and Pippin running and then they get trampled by everybody else. <laughs> Which, <Mary's laughs> Which Mary even wasn't there. even supposed to be there. <laughs> there you go that that is one yeah that is one again we're we're praising peter jackson and then we'll we'll kick him in in, in the shin here for this one because yeah that was pippin's chance of like getting to be courageous on his own and we even see from his perspective right as the orcs are coming out and he's like gosh what did i get myself into it's okay like i'm gonna fight i'm gonna do this and then gimli's um, even so, like man yeah. i'm glad i know what a, the foot of a hobbit looks like i was surprised to find you alive but i dug <laughs> you out from under the dead troll <laughs> yeah exactly uh, that's good stuff good stuff well you know after obviously we know the eagles came and rescued them the ring is destroyed and we have aragorn's coronation um at minas tirith and everyone you know feasting and celebrating and then they go on their uh, own ways we have uh, what's called the chapter many partings and this is just a straight up uh, excerpt from uh, many partings. book here return of the king many partings yeah uh, says this now the guests were ready and they drank the stirrup cup and with great praise and friendship they departed and came at length to helm's deep and there they rested two days then legolas repaid his promise to gimli and went with him to the glittering caves and when they returned he was silent and would say only that gimli alone could find fit words to speak of them and never before has a dwarf claimed a victory over an elf in contest of words <laughs> said gimli now therefore let us go to fangorn and set the score straight oh man that's that's just beautiful, it's beautiful. again it's <laughs> so you go back yeah. to that excerpt that we read and if that's how gimli's talking about those caves yeah legolas i mean yeah he's an elf and they're more elegant with their speech but you're not going to top gimli's words on that no absolutely not and but i mean it's cool that even even legolas saw the beauty and was like yeah he was he was spot on like those words are correct. I agree with him. Even though I don't like caves, I don't like going underground. I like being, you know, be able to see the stars and all that kind of stuff. He's like, no, that was that was gorgeous. And then they get to go to Vancorn, which is really really neat. Yep, I I love that. Uh, and that's kind of where the book ends. However, there is a little bit of a snippet in the in the appendices about Gimli, and it's found under the I think it's Durin's folk uh, heading in the appendices, but. The last like mm -hmm. paragraph and a half is about Gimli and what happened after. And it's said that he went back to the caves and this must be after him and Legolas and everybody uh, came and visited, but he came back and he became the Lord of the glittering caves. He got a bunch of Durin's folk cool. and, and those things that he had imagined in the two towers after seeing it for the first time, he was actually able to bring to life. He became the Lord of the glittering mm -hmm. caves and he tended those halls and created beauty after beauty. And he actually helped the the men of Rohan and Gondor a lot. The the gates that were knocked down by Gron during the siege of the of of Minas Tirith, he actually replaced those gates with me uh, mm. with mithril and steel. Which, if you think about That's the so cool. value of that gate to have mithril and steel, yeah. I mean, what yeah. a gift! And and. So along with that, uh, Legolas went to Athelion. And if you remember at some point, and I believe it's when he's talking to Imrahil or something like that, where they talk about Athelion and Legolas longs for that area. But he actually takes a bunch of his kindred from, from the, the woody realm, the woodland realm, uh, 
Woody Wood, Woodland. <laughs> Definitely Woodland. Um, yeah, brings up. <laughs> yeah, we're going right back to the beginning of this, aren't we? Um, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> bring it, bring it full circle. Uh, and he be, you yeah. know, becomes kind of a little lord in his own right of the of the land of Athelion, and he tended it. And Tolkien even says that Athelion once again became the fairest country in the Westlands. Um, so I don't remember when he said that in the first place, other than it was supposedly just a beautiful forest. Maybe that was Faramir said that at some point in time. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, he helped tend the forest and made it beautiful, which, uh, after that, unfortunately, King Elisar Aragorn dies. Uh, I believe he ruled for 120 years after the, yeah, I believe it was 120 years if I'm getting that right after so. uh he was coronated and so he had a you know a good run there and so legolas and gimli you know they live longer than than uh men do mm-hmm. even even the men of the race of the numenorians and so at this point legolas decides he's going to sail back across the sea and uh follow his kindred over there and gimli actually goes with him or at least it's thought to uh tolkien says mm. that they think that he did but they don't really, he doesn't explicitly say. Um, yeah. And so with Legolas went Gimli Gloinson, and he was permitted into the Undying Lands. Now, it's important to, just like Frodo, to realize that getting there doesn't make him immortal. He still will die. Right. But he gets to look upon Galadriel again. He gets to see something that mm. no dwarf has ever seen before. And it yeah. kind of just begs the question, why was he let in? Tolkien even mentions that Gladriel may have obtained the grace for him to arrive, um, which I think may have something to do with it. It could have been the fact that he, you know, helped with such an important piece of defeating Sauron. Could be the friendship with Legolas. I, I don't really know. Uh, what do you think? You know, Tolkien, I think he does that with some of his favorite characters. He's like, nah, this guy can just, we'll just make it make it okay make it happen for him i mean because you said with frodo you see that yeah 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 i'm i'm in charge i'm eru Ilavator, and i will decide who gets to go to the undying lands yeah uh because even sam like doesn't he get to go to the undying lands too um i think i I guess he was a ring bearer right so maybe that would give him the right to do so but even still like i don't know it's it seems like it's just kind of like one of those things uh i'll save these for my my favorite characters but again it 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 does talk to specifically again, the relationship of, of Legolas and Gimli and that, you know, he desired to go with him into, instead of dying with his folk, instead of being immortalized down in middle earth and even in the stone. glittering caves, yeah, buried in stone, like the Lords of old, he chooses, I'm going to stay with my bestie. We're going to go check out this undying land thing that he's got for me. So again, they were just completely know. inseparable. Yeah, absolutely. So here's another question. So that's kind of, do you, oh, go ahead. sorry. Okay. Uh, just another thought do you think he saw frodo there or because this is 120 years after mm. and so the hobbit you know how old was bilbo he was just over the old tuke's age when he went to the undying land so he couldn't have yeah. been like 130 i think it was or something something along those lines not that old and this is 120 years plus wasn't he like 50 or so at the time 55 something like that mm-hmm. at the time so do you think Frodo was able to live longer by being in the Undying Lands and maybe he got to see Gimli again or was Frodo long gone and Gimli sure. had no chance? 
Well, again, you got to clarify, maybe even for some of our listeners, that the Undying Lands, that doesn't mean that you go, it's not like heaven. You don't go there and, and you just live forever and in perfect harmony and peace and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's the place where the elves had kind of, or, or rather like the Valor, like set apart for themselves, right? And so, and for the firstborn elves. And so, you know, it's, they aren't granted immortal life once you get there. We talked about that with our, our Numenor podcasts, like, you know, men sought for immortality by going to the Undying Lands, but, you know, even if they would have gotten there, they would not have received it. Right. However, you bring up a good point, like, are there, are there lives, like, prolonged longer? I mean, you look at, like, this may be a bad correlation, but, like, early Old Testament in the Bible, you know, the Bible says that Moses lived for hundreds and hundreds of years, and, you know, Adam lived for, like, 900 years, something like mm-hmm. that, 800, 900 years, and is that just because there's a lot better nutrition there because nothing's processed because there's no evil, not as much. I don't know. Like what's so, yeah, I I would like to think that he got to reunite with them a little bit, but it's a good question. Yeah. It was a long drawn out answer to say, I don't know. That's that's okay. It it actually triggered another thought of mine while you were talking. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm just going to keep rambling here, I guess, but yeah, it makes me surprised. So Gimli Going to the Undying Lands. Now there obviously are elves, right? Mm-hmm. With Erendil, there's now men. Yeah. Right? So who are we missing? Yep. We're missing hobbits. Hobbits are there now because of Frodo mm-hmm. and Bilbo. But there wasn't a dwarf until Gimli. And so he's the first mm-hmm. dwarf to ever go. And if you remember, there was always going to be strife. Why? Because the children of my choosing and the children of my adoption. Is mm. is there more to that where Eru is wow. in a way adopting the dwarves now because he's allowing Gimli into the Undying Lands? You just blew my mind. Again, you 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 take that correlation, that connection of the Bible too, like you know Israel being God's firstborn and the Jewish people being God's children, and then through Jesus, everyone has given that option to be adopted into his family gentiles and jews alike it doesn't matter what race you are what you know every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess you know people of every nation will praise the lord is what revelation says and holy cow maybe that's what tolkien had in mind i don't know i don't know (laughs) wow he gave me a lot to to ponder there he (laughs) is so cool there's so much there i mean this guy was absolutely incredible i imagine just going to heaven and being like all right i've got questions for jesus obviously but Tolkien and I are gonna have a chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get your priorities straight. We'll go to Jesus first. Hang out with him for a while. But yes, definitely want to talk to John Ronald Rule and be like, "Hey, man, like, how did we got some questions? What, what did you mean? Yeah, <laughs> golly." But again, going back to the brilliance of Tolkien, where he wanted it to be applicable to each and every person who read it in the way that they needed to hear it, and yeah, that's what I needed to hear. I needed to hear that adoption piece i'm even going to be speaking on that this next wednesday on how we're adopted into the family of god and i mean i'm not going to use this because my students won't you think it's a little correlation. for gen z uh, probably but for me i mean this is just reinforcing that that idea yeah. that you know we're all ch- we're all children of of god you know it just as like you mentioned eru adopts the dwarves and becomes yep. they're all they're all children of eru now which is whew, wow getting chills <laughs> that's, that's cool. pretty cool it's one of those things where i genuinely believe if you ask tolkien that he would be like i don't know (laughs) like it made sense right he followed legless they're good friends like that's probably the extent of it is but he writes it in such a way with such creativity but also ambiguity in a way that 
it's like yeah you can come up with your own conclusion do what you do what you want with that definitely. information definitely so cool i mean i just i've i've read a lot of fantasy and i've you know i'm reading a different fantasy book right now and ariel and i are reading a book together and i just i don't i don't see any anywhere near the amount of depth that no in anything nowadays that you can find in Tolkien. I mean, Harry Potter is amazing. The books anyway, I love them. There's a lot you can do with that, but just the, the lessons to be learned and the tangents to go down and the speculation to be made is it's unparalleled. Well, and again, it's because he was creating a history. He wasn't creating a book. Yeah. These days people yeah. write books because they want to get published and get their book out there. And he literally yeah. wrote the Silmarillion and didn't expect anybody to want to read it really he was surprised when it uh, the silmarillion didn't even get published while he was alive i mean right he just right. wanted to create a history and i think that's why there's so many different rabbit holes and angles you can take because it's not just a cut and paste start and finish story it's well it's a history mm -hmm. that he just didn't finish all the history yeah man that sounds like a really good place to uh, to to end our conversation, our discussion. A really lovely, uh, wonderful conversation on the the story of Gimli and Legolas and their relationship. And just one final thought. I mean, there's some people out there that have tried to desecrate the name of Tolkien and claim he's a racist for not having you know specific races involved in his works or that he would have only wanted white people to be in an adaptation all that kind of stuff like Tolkien was not a racist you no. see that in this relationship he purposely celebrated the diversity to use a modern term he celebrated the diversity of these two characters where they complemented one another they didn't form to where everyone had to be the same they were their same individual people with their individual desires and wants and skill sets and yet they came together and became best friends. And it, yep. it sh you know, it, it goes against all odds, but Tolkien is telling us that no race should matter. No age difference should matter, gender, any of that kind of stuff. Like you can just be friends with people by being respectful, by listening to them to understand where they're coming from, cultural backgrounds, stuff like that. He's not, he's, he's not a racist. It's just no. crazy that people would, would put that into his mind or, or, or put that on his name. It, it pains me that that's even a thought for some people. Um, which thankfully it's it's a small thought. I don't feel like the vast majority of people have actually taken any kind of heed to those accusations, but still has to be said. He Gimli and Legolas are proof that he's not a racist. I completely agree. I'll I'll leave it at I'll leave it at that. You said that very well. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Um guys, if we we've we've been seeing some spikes of new downloads from different uh podcast episodes even all the way back to concerning brothers when we both had horrible microphones and there was just we didn't know what we were doing there's a first uh, time for hopefully everything. we've gotten yeah yeah yeah. hopefully we've gotten a little bit better since then so uh we welcome you guys to our fellowship we thank you so much for coming along this road with us we'd love to hear from you guys so please send in your token stories your thoughts on any of uh our podcast or any just thoughts that you have on Tolkien too. So uh, with that, we're going to call for aid. Gondor calls for aid by shouting, uh, bringing the halls of Nedeseld and shouting Gondor calls for aid. Will you Rohan answer? If you enjoy the podcast, please light a beacon of your own by sharing it with fellow friends and fans. Don't forget to like subscribe and leave a review, not only on the podcast, but now on the YouTube channel as well. Please share us your Tolkien story, your thoughts on anything Tolkien. You can email us at weckpodcast.gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We can't wait to join next time for some more well-earned comforts, whatever those may be. But until then, we bid you a very fond farewell.